Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, in part two of our coverage on Salem, Massachusetts, we dive into three more haunted locations within the historic city. The House of Seven Gables, the Hawthorne Hotel, and the Ghost of Philip English. This is episode number 53 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Ghosts of Salem, Part 2. stepped into the elevator of the Hawthorne Hotel with her husband, Henry, and pressed the button for the sixth floor. They were in town for just one evening to attend their granddaughter's wedding. The old elevator creaked its way up to the top floor. The doors opened to a carpeted hallway with green wainscoting and chandeliers hanging from the ceiling every 12 feet or so. It had an old feel to it, while still remaining classy. As they headed down the hall to room 614, A woman in a gown came around the corner on the other side of the hall, walking towards them. Marion smiled at her as they passed by each other, but the woman just kept looking ahead without acknowledging them. Right here, Henry motioned to the door with a 614 on it. Marion unlocked the door and noticed the woman standing in front of the room next to them, 612. She wasn't attempting to enter the room, just standing there, staring at the closed door. Marion wondered if she had forgotten her key as she walked into her own room and closed the door behind her. After checking in, the couple went on with their day. They walked the town and visited the local shops before heading back to the hotel to get ready for the wedding. They once again ascended the old elevator to the sixth floor and walked down the hallway to their room. Marion felt the chill as she walked by the room where the woman had been standing earlier in the day. But the woman wasn't there this time. As they were getting ready for the wedding, Marion thought she heard a faint knock, possibly at her door. Henry didn't seem to notice, so Marion walked to the peephole to see. She peered through, but only saw the empty hallway. Suddenly, the woman from earlier walked right past their door, but this time, she wasn't looking ahead. She was looking right at Marion as she walked by the peephole. Marion jumped back, startled, and then opened the door and looked down the hallway. The strange woman was once again standing outside room 612, just staring at the door. Marion quickly closed the door, unsure as to why she felt so frightened. She chose not to say anything to Henry. When they left to go to the wedding that night, there was once again nobody outside the door. They got into the elevator, and Henry pressed the button for the lobby. Marion had an uneasy feeling as she waited for the doors to close. It seemed to be taking forever. Out of nowhere, at the far end of the hallway, the woman walked out from around the corner and began heading towards them. Marion clutched her purse in her hand and willed the doors to close. Finally, they began closing as the woman turned to stare at the door to room 612. 
Once in the lobby of the Hawthorne Hotel, Marion told Henry to wait by the door and headed over to the front desk. I hate to bother you, but I think the woman in 612 might be missing her key, she explained to the woman at the desk. The woman clicked away at her computer and then looked up at Marion. Uh, there's nobody currently staying in that room, the woman replied. A chill crept up Marion's spine as she stepped back away from the desk. She headed back over to her husband and grabbed him by the elbow. The front desk just told me there's nobody staying in that room next to us, she said in a hushed tone. So who is the woman, she added. Henry stopped and looked at her, confused. What woman, he asked. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Salem, Massachusetts, Part 2. The Hawthorne Hotel The Hawthorne Hotel was built in 1925 and was named after the author Nathaniel Hawthorne, the great-grandson of John Hathorne, known for being one of the judges that oversaw the Salem Witch Trials. Nathaniel likely added the letter W to the name Hathorne to distance himself from the history tied to the executions. The city's Chamber of Commerce and Rotary Club held a drive to raise money for the completion of the hotel, with over a thousand residents and businessmen investing in the project. On July 21, 1925, the hotel held a three-day celebration for its official opening. Many celebrities have stayed at the Hawthorne, including Johnny Cash, Bette Davis, Colin Powell, former President George Bush, Walter Cronkite, and even the entire cast from Bewitched, the 1970s sitcom which also featured the hotel in an episode. Over time, the hotel has earned a reputation as one of the most haunted hotels in the country, believed to have been built on land formerly owned by the first accused witch to be executed during the Salem Witch Trials, Bridget Bishop, her ghost is one of many that is said to walk these halls. Bridget's property included an apple orchard, which was the very location where the hotel now sits. Guests have reported the smell of apples in the hotel and even encountered the spirit of Bridget herself. But other hauntings at the hotel are not as pleasant as the scent of apples. Mysterious mists, disembodied voices, laughter, and the ghostly sounds of babies crying have been heard in areas where there are no children. People have been grabbed and tickled in the night, and poltergeist activity has been reported throughout the hotel, with the most extreme cases in the basement. In the downstairs library, formerly called the Lower Deck, there have been reports of tables unexplainably being stacked on top of each other and chairs being moved. On one occasion, an employee had set the room up for a banquet. He stepped out of the room for a moment, but when he returned, all of the chairs had been stacked up in a pyramid. The employee ran out of the basement and quit immediately. He never returned to the Hawthorne Hotel. On the third floor sits one of the most haunted rooms in the hotel. Due to the expansion of the hotel over time, room 325 has an unordinary layout. A bathroom divides two bedrooms, included in 325. One night, a businessman checked in. The following morning, he went to the front desk demanding a new room. He told the clerk that it was absurd that he had to share a bathroom with the adjoining room. He was also furious that his neighbor was so noisy. He claimed that whoever this was went into the bathroom, 
turned on the lights, ran the water, flushed the toilet, and even turned on the TV in the other room. The staff informed him that the bathroom and the other bedroom was all part of room 325. He didn't believe them at first, until they walked with him back up to his room and showed him that not only were the rooms connected, but the beds were all made, the room was clean, and it was clear that nobody had been staying there. He was alone all night. Other guests of room 325 claim that they feel a presence at the end of their bed and claim that something touches their feet during the night. The sixth floor of the Hawthorne is the most haunted floor in the hotel. One evening, in room 628, a guest had placed his keys on the nightstand and left the room. When he returned, his keys were gone. Confused, he searched the entire room for his lost keys. To his amazement, after searching every corner of the room, the keys mysteriously reappeared right back where he had left them on the nightstand. There have also been reports of a ghostly apparition of a woman who wanders the entire sixth floor. Legend has it, she will stop at room 612, turn, and stand at the door. It's been reported that she will just stand there and stare at the door. When spotted, she seems to stand there for a moment before disappearing. We need to pick up the pace if we're going to make it, Bruce said while looking back over his shoulder. Jennifer's walk turned into an almost slow run. She glanced over her right shoulder, wishing she had time to admire the ocean and the pier, but they wanted to get into the House of Seven Gables. Maybe tomorrow they could take their time, sit on one of the benches, hear the boats and enjoy the scenery, but not now. Frantically, they rushed up to the house, and to their dismay, it was dark. A sign on the door read, Sorry, closed for the rest of 1981 due to renovations. Bruce ran his fingers through his thick black hair and let out a sigh. Jennifer watched him reach in his denim jacket and grab a pack of cigarettes and a lighter. As he went to pull one out of the pack, his face lit up. Hey, let's see if they left a door or window open, Bruce said as he started to walk around the house, putting the contents of his hands back in his pockets. I don't think we should do that, Jennifer said with a tinge of nervousness. Except, she secretly hoped they could get in. What would be better than their own private tour of the house she grew up reading about? Bruce found a door and was able to push it open. They looked at each other, and even Jennifer couldn't help but smile. Okay, let's not stay too long. We don't want to get arrested on vacation. They walked into the house, and it was like a time machine. The paintings, the furniture, the ceiling that was so low Bruce would have to bend to walk if he were only a few inches taller. As they made their way through the first floor, they heard a noise from upstairs. They looked at each other, but continued through the house. The hidden staircase was one of the main things they wanted to see. After seeing a special on the house, they knew exactly where to look, and they headed to the dining room. After fumbling with the door a bit, they finally got it open. A rush of energy entered Jennifer's body as she began up the narrow stairs. Bruce was behind her with his lighter lit. Jennifer stopped and turned to give Bruce a kiss. As they embraced, they heard footsteps begin up the stairs just above them. They stopped and looked at each other, then ahead, and saw a shadow quickly dash out of sight, and the noises stopped. 
Somehow they were both intrigued, and instead of fleeing, walked up the stairs. When they arrived on the second floor, they looked around the poorly lit room. Nothing. Bruce moved to the next room and called out hello. He was met quickly with a shush in his left ear. Not now, Jennifer, he said. But when he turned around, she was ten feet away, and her jaw was nearly on the floor. The woman, she... she was just there, then disappeared. We need to leave. They headed back towards the staircase. As they rushed down the stairs, they heard plates begin to smash back up on the second floor, and sounds of a woman groaning behind them. As they ran out the door and down the street, Jennifer took a look over her shoulder one last time and saw the woman staring out the second floor window, put a finger up to her nose, and then slowly disappear. The House of Seven Gables, also known as the Turner Ingersoll House, was built in 1668. John Turner had the house built, and it would stay in his family for three generations. During the time the Turners owned the house, they would expand and remodel it several times. John Turner III would squander the family fortune and be forced to sell the house to cover his debts. The Ingersolls would acquire the house after the Turners and it would yet again have substantial renovations and remodels. Nathaniel Hawthorne was a cousin of Susanna Ingersoll and she would often entertain him at the house. Hawthorne was infatuated with the house and it inspired him to write the book the House of the Seven Gables. The book included the story of a cursed family of a judge from the witch trials and even a couple of ghosts. The house now is a museum that you can go and tour, but what they probably won't include if you do is the actual ghost stories of the property. The attic is one of the more active locations within the house. A child playing and giggling has been heard coming from the attic, and when people go up to check, there is no one there. Footsteps and balls rolling have also been heard, and a little boy has been seen on occasion before vanishing into thin air. Some believe that it is Julian Hawthorne, the son of Nathaniel. However, the attic once doubled as the servants' quarters, and it is more likely that a child of one of the workers would be the ghostly presence. The hidden staircase in the house is one of the most memorable portions of the tour. Hidden in a dining room, a door can be opened to a tight, narrow staircase leading to the second floor. Some guests, though, have had a slightly more paranormal experience. A transparent man, or sometimes a shadow figure, has been seen dragging itself up and down the staircase. No one knows who this man is, but those that encounter him have reported a feeling of dread after seeing him. Susanna Ingersoll is the most recognized ghost that haunts the rooms and halls of the House of the Seven Gables. She's been seen in all parts of the house, walking up and down the hallways and lingering in the rooms of her former home. Others have seen her staring at them from a window while they stand outside the house. One guest while visiting the house was talking to his girlfriend in an upstairs room when she shushed him. When he turned to ask his girlfriend why she was shushing him, he noticed that she was on the other side of the room, and a ghostly woman was close by, giving him a stern look before she disappeared. Heather was scheduled to work the closing shift, and the first thing she did when she arrived was check the schedule to see who she was closing with. She hated being alone in the shop because it gave her the creeps. The store speaker would always make weird noises that sounded like a man's voice, 
and things would always inexplicably fall to the floor in the basement as if they were thrown intentionally. The schedule said she was closing with Allie, the new girl. Heather was fine with it. She only met her once, but she seemed nice enough. Suddenly, a man's voice from behind her made her jump. Hi, Heather. It was Tim, the store owner. He was carrying a stack of Harry Potter wands to a display in the front of the store. Oh, hey, Tim, you scared me, she said. He apologized and continued to the storefront. I'm heading out for the night. Don't forget to lock up when you leave. He called over his shoulder as he headed out the door. Allie walked in as he was leaving. Heather opened her mouth to say hello, but was cut off by a loud groaning sound emanating from the speaker above. Both girls just stared blankly until it stopped. Allie laughed, but Heather didn't. She was annoyed by Allie's amusement. You know this building is haunted, right? Heather remarked sharply. Allie rolled her eyes. You mean the storefront gift shop that wasn't even built all that long ago? Yeah, okay. Heather found herself growing irrationally angry. So much for liking the new girl. It's haunted by the ghost of Philip English, she said, as if it were obvious. That's whose voice you hear coming from the speaker, she added. Allie didn't hesitate. He's buried under the church around the corner, she retorted proudly, apparently impressed with herself for knowing that fact. Heather was quick to respond. Yeah, but his mansion used to stand right here before the strip mall was built right under your feet, she said with a smirk. Allie wasn't smiling anymore. The tension was palpable, and Heather started to feel bad for getting so angry about something so dumb. She was thinking of something to say to break the tension when the speaker started crackling. Then just as clear as they were talking to each other, a man's voice came through. I see you. I watch you. Allie let out a reactionary shriek and quickly clapped her hand over her mouth. Heather was too scared for I told you so's and just stood there, shocked. Should we call Tim? Allie asked. Heather didn't respond to her question, just purposefully walked over to the panel on the wall that controlled the PA speakers and promptly shut them off. An hour or so went by with no strange occurrences, until the lights dimmed, causing both girls to exchange a nervous glance. Suddenly, they heard a crash in the basement. Reluctantly, Heather got up and walked to the basement door. Allie curiously followed a few paces behind her. They descended the stairs and turned on a light. A box of Harry Potter mugs lay smashed on the floor. Chunks of ceramic were scattered about. Maybe it fell? Allie suggested with a lack of confidence. That box was stacked on the other side of the basement, Heather replied. Just then, a broom leaning against the wall in the corner fell over and skidded across the floor towards the girls. They screamed and ran up the stairs as the voice from the speakers that were supposed to be turned off barked, I see you. I watch you. Philip English was the richest merchant in Salem partly due to his extensive international contacts. He owned 14 lots, a wharf, 20 ships, and a mansion with a waterfront view. In March of 1692, he became a Salem Town selectman, leaving a sour taste in the mouth of the Putnam family of Salem Village, who also desired that political seat. A month later, Philip's wife would be arrested for accusations of witchcraft based on the testimony of Ann Putnam Jr., among others. Philip got word of the accusation and fled to Boston to avoid capture, but realized that his absence was detrimental to his wife's defense. 
he turned himself in, but due to his wealthy connections, was able to have himself, along with his wife, transferred to a prison in Boston where they received special treatment. The couple were allowed to rent rooms in the house of the jailkeeper and attend church on Sundays. They used the loose restrictions to their advantage and plotted an escape to New York, which they successfully made in August. Philip and Mary remained in New York for the duration of the trials. Charges were brought against them back in Salem while they were in New York, but they remained there until May 1693, when Governor Phipps disbanded the court associated with the witch trials after his own wife was accused of witchcraft. Philip and Mary were free to return to Salem, but they'd soon learn things were far from well and good. Despite the charges of witchcraft being dropped, English learned that 14 of his properties, his wharf, and ships had all been confiscated by Sheriff George Corwin, and his own neighbors had looted his house on Essex Street. English battled Corwin in court for three years trying to reclaim his property, but was unsuccessful. However, his chance to settle the matter out of court would come in 1696 when Sheriff Corwin would die of a heart attack at the young age of 30. As a horse-drawn carriage brought the sheriff's body to the cemetery on Broad Street, English put together a posse and ambushed the procession. English stole the body of George Corwin and told the Corwin family he'd give the body back once his property was returned to him. He maintained possession of the sheriff's body for several days until the family paid him what they could. English returned the body to the family and slowly rebuilt his shipping business. In 1733, Philip English donated a plot of land to a local church so they could build a chapel and burying ground. He was buried in that very ground when he died three years later. In the mid-1800s, the small wooden church was torn down and a large stone structure known as St. Peter's Episcopal Church was built in its place, which still stands to this day. When the building was expanded, the original grave markers were moved to the front of the new building but the bodies of the dead, including that of Philip English, still lie beneath the building. Due to the disturbed resting area of many of the people who were buried in the church's old burying grounds, the St. Peter's Episcopal Church is said to be one of the most haunted buildings in Salem. Many apparitions have been spotted in the sanctuary. Philip English's ghost has been seen walking through the church pews during services, and apparitions have been seen in the bell tower and parking lot as well. Loud disembodied footsteps have been heard accompanied by loud knocks throughout the church. Some have even reported disembodied voices and whispers echoing throughout the old stone building. The ghost of Philip English has also been spotted in other places throughout Salem many of which were places where his former properties once stood. His mansion on Essex Street, where a private residence now stands, is said to be haunted, as well as a toy store further down the street, where another of his properties once stood. Employees have reported poltergeist activity in the basement of the store, as well as a man's voice coming through the speakers, saying, I see you. I watch you.
What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 53, which is uh, Salem, and we're doing part two of Salem. So welcome back in. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. So I have an idea for next year. We should volunteer to decorate the House of Seven Gables. And this is for charity, so you guys can't say no. We dismember Dave into seven parts and put one part on each of the gables. That's creative, and I like that. Uh, we're also joined by Dave. Welcome in, Dave. I'm going to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> I've, had, I've had enough. <laughs> I want to welcome in everyone who's hanging out in live chat. we got a lot of people here today. It's a good crowd. Uh, if anyone, so obviously anyone from Facebook probably isn't watching now. The Facebook stream seems to be down. So we apologize to our usual Facebook viewers. Hopefully you've made it over to YouTube or Twitch where we are hanging out. So uh big shout out to uh, Earphil, who who's here for the first time, I believe, in the live stream. And Jessica, the Stephanies are here. Matthew is here. Papa Squatch. L, just the letter L. Uh, Maggie Putnam, the great, 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 great granddaughter of uh, <laughs> possibly <laughs> Ann Putnam. Putnam. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, Cash is here. Matt Thomas. Uh, Kate is here, Captain McSlugs, who gave us our first donation on YouTube. I didn't even know we had this enabled, but he donated 99 cents. So Captain McSlugs, thank you for that donation. Uh, I didn't even know that was possible. And uh, he also refuses to stop giving us money. He's also donating on the TikTok uh, stream that we had going on earlier. So uh, welcome in everybody. I also want to welcome in uh, John, Tina, and Jackson. What's up, buddy? And Roy Brady. Welcome in. My friend, Demon King is here. My goodness, we we go all day here. Hello to everybody. Hello to everybody that's hanging out in live chat. If you guys want to join in and get thanked relentlessly for the first seven minutes of the show, like I just did. We will aggressively uh, thank you for the entire show and then not talk about ghosts. Yeah, uh, you could join in as well every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. It's usually Facebook and Twitch, but yeah. Salem Part 2. We we kicked this one off with the Hawthorne Hotel. Some ghost stories there and uh, some of the hauntings as well. Is that where you guys want to start here? Sounds good to me. So uh, we have been to the Hawthorne several times. I think I've stayed there like three or four times now. Um, Hawthorne, it's a cool hotel. It is old. (laughs) Hometown thanks stories, yes. Uh, It is an old (laughs) hotel built in the 1920s, as we talked about. And it's supposed to be uh, one of the most haunted hotels in the country. Pretty much all lists of haunted hotels put the Hawthorne somewhere on there. So it does it does make those lists, which I mean we we joke about it pretty much all the time with these lists where every location that we cover seems to end up at the top of one of these lists at least. So uh that's the Hawthorne. We've investigated the Hawthorne a couple times. Usually, I mean we have we do a little bit more partying than business when we go to Salem. So usually by the time we get back to the hotel, we're not very productive, but we have we have investigated, we haven't really caught anything there. Um we'll dive into that a little bit in the future here, but according to the staff it's very haunted and they have their own stories. They've, they've had people quit. They've heard the stories from guests that have stayed there, particularly the third and the sixth floor seem to be the most haunted, mostly the sixth floor. <laughs> uh, Andrew says the ghost of Jesse's phone haunts it. That's uh, an inside joke of when we went to Salem by, uh, I was assaulted by Andrew, Captain McSlugs and uh, my phone smashed. Lost all my cell like, footage. Really smashed. The smashedest I've ever seen a phone. The, the screen had like a wave in it. <laughs> no, it had uh, the shape of my AirPods in it because I landed on the phone. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a, an ugly end to a fun night. The, the, the greatest part of that entire thing is right afterwards, Andrew comes up to me and he just looks at me and he goes, 
Jesse just really wants to fight you right now. I'm like, I didn't even do anything. Like, why? What do you mean, Jesse wants to fight me? I don't know where that came from, but no, I did not want to fight Rob. <laughs> but maybe I don't know. It was uh, this was all Rob's fault. This was not my fault. I didn't do this anything. Rob, Rob decided to celebrate by forcing us to take a million pickleback shots, which is <laughs> there was no a shot force. of whiskey followed by a shot of pickle juice, which Catherine was really excited about because she really likes pickle juice, and uh, it was a few too many, and it got uh, to be a weird night in Salem. Lots of weird nights in Salem, though, but uh, great, great time nonetheless. And uh, we stayed at the Hawthorne that night. But long story short, we didn't get much in terms of investigation that night. But we had previously investigated the Hawthorne, actually on multiple occasions. And um, there's still some, some footage left over from that investigation. I meant to actually tie some of it in because I actually found some of it. Some, but it, it, we just didn't really get anything. So, you know, uh, these are the locations. I mean, a lot of times when you do paranormal investigations, you're not going to get anything. So. Mm-hmm. When we do investigate it, we're not we're not there for a long enough period of time to actually accumulate any uh, tangible evidence. You say right. like I think it's Ed Warren who says you got um, was twenty eight days is the is what he say there they are find a way to to fit the Warrens in, <laughs> but uh, he says you got to be uh, twenty eight days before you uh, really find anything, which isn't always true. We found stuff at different places we have yeah some locations you go there and you happen to be there on a night where it's it's very active and you can but yeah i think obviously the the longer that you spend at a location if you're able to spend 28 days at a location or if you live in a haunted house obviously over time you're going to catch more stuff it's just the way these uh investigations go but sometimes they uh you know sometimes you come in on a good night and it's just more active you could go to the most haunted location on the planet right where stuff happens like almost nonstop and you could still catch it on an off night. Like it's just, you know, you're not, nothing's guaranteed in the paranormal field. You're not guaranteed to capture something when you go investigate a place. Like you want to, I mean, you're looking for it, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. So that's a, you got to keep that in mind, like that you're not always going to capture something when you go to these locations. Right. So, I mean, we could dive into it. So, so I guess pretty cool about this one catch is, anything. Go ahead, it's, it's haunted by apples, which is pretty pretty unique. I don't think we've ever investigated a location that was haunted by apples before, but this one is. We're going to investigate your microphone at some point, too. Dave's connection is once again shaky, just to start off the show, too. Took all the precautions to make sure that his connection wasn't crap today, but that's all right. I'm sure it'll it'll work itself out like it usually does. But, the yeah, the apples is, is kind of a new one. I mean, you get the sense, um, like the scent kind of hauntings before uh, typically with like cigar smoke or violet or mm-hmm. I mean, lavender um so you get those kind of hauntings a lot of times so the apple one is significant obviously it's believed that it could have been built on the former site of bridget bishop's um uh apple orchard and yep. that's why they think that sometimes you smell the scent of apples now this is a rest uh it's a hotel that has a restaurant and it's an active restaurant according to the hotel manager and the restaurant they don't have anything on the menu that has apples apparently uh this was according to a video from a few years ago i don't know if they've updated their menu and now they do or or whatever but according to them they're like we don't even cook with apples so if you smell apples we don't know where that's coming from which kind of makes a little bit more credible because um you know if they don't have apples then you're not smelling from the kitchen but who's to say that some kid didn't spill some apple juice or something it's a little bit tricky to directly equate that to a haunting but it's it's something and it does tie it back to the history of the location i bet it's all these 
jerks that go apple picking relentlessly in the fall and they just come and they hide some some apples in the hotel just non-stop apple picking in new england and in the fall there is a lot of apple apple picking it's the so worst Matthew you got, like who who goes apple picking you psychos most apple picking sometimes yeah most people. <laughs> yeah the worst. Bill, bill belichick goes apple picking okay uh, matthew thomas says if you're drunk and investigate do you think the ghosts get mad that they can't scare you could be that or it could be you don't even your senses are not fine-tuned at that point i mean you don't you, there might be stuff going on that you don't even notice <laughs> um and uh else as a I agree with Papa Squatch. Just coordinate your visits with the ghost beforehand. <laughs> Just make an appointment. Listen, we're going to make an appointment. Uh, we're going to need you to be pretty active tonight. That would be good. Are yeah. you taking reservations? <laughs> <laughs> what what time's good for the haunt? Can you just uh, elaborate on that? We we definitely need that for Salem. Salem seems like for us personally, every time we go, we're celebrating something. So like we we had we were celebrating our signing with Bloody Disgusting when we went last time, or. We're celebrating Jesse trying to do the worst proposal of all time. Would have been the worst. Would have been the worst. So, so I love Salem so much that when I was going to propose to the wife, I was like, oh, I should do it in Salem. And obviously we had a few drinks. And then by the end of the night, I'm out at the parking lot. I'm like, oh, I almost forgot. So I go to the trunk and I grab the, uh, grab the wedding ring out of the trunk. And um, I don't remember. Was it Rob? Was it you that stopped me? No, it, was, Dave. it was Dave. Rob, I think, was taking a piss five feet away. <laughs> and Dave's like, no, 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 this, this ain't it. <laughs> in in theory, it was it was probably the right decision. You should have not, not, right. not do that. It would have been not, great. A, not at that moment with Dave pissing. So, anyways, uh, so you get the apple haunting. Uh, so there's a on the third floor, there's I, I, was it room 325, I believe, that's supposed to be haunted. There's been a lot of people that report stuff happening in that room between uh being touched they say that your your feet can get tickled um the there was the guy with the keys story i see i think you threw that in so that like next time we go to salem you can just like come and start tickling us and be like it was the ghost that did it (laughs) so ghost hunters went and investigated the hawthorne hotel i'm sure other ghost uh uh paranormal groups have done it as well they debunked a lot of this stuff or at least gave an explanation for a lot of this stuff. And in that particular room at the foot of the bed is the air vent. And they think, you know, if you're asleep and all of a sudden the air vent, uh, you know, the air conditioning kicks on or, or whatever, that air blowing through could feel like maybe something's tickling your feet. So it's a bit of a weird one anyways, but the, <laughs> what a silly ghost. What a creepy, silly thing to do if you are a ghost. Just like, tickling my toesies. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we should never do that again. <laughs> Not at the same time. One at a time, maybe we can handle that. But can't I can't wait to screen grab that moment and put it on TikTok without <laughs> that context. Was, that was by far the scariest moment we've had on this show. It says a lot. Absolutely terrifying. So there's that one. And then um, on the sixth floor, the sixth floor is a lot creepier to me. Like the third floor, there's some things that happen. But <laughs> the go- Papa Squatch says the ghost of the old man from Family Guy. <laughs> the... Um, so the sixth floor is the woman, sticking out. The, the woman who is wandering the halls. And this one is particularly creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wanders the halls, but then she stops right at room 612 and doesn't go in. And she just stands there. And that's like particular, that story gave me chills when I heard it. I was like, that is, that's a creepy one. I don't know. Just a ghost, like standing there, staring at a door. And if you happen to look through the people and see a woman standing there, that would be, terrifying even if it's not a ghost just anyone just standing right there in front of your door 
Yeah, but is, especially if it's a ghost. But this also is kind of what happened to you. Like you had this like situation where you woke up and or not in the hall, but in your room. True. Where where the woman was like standing over your bed. Right. It wasn't at the foot of my bed. It was like right next to the bed, just standing. Mm. It was one of the ghost settings I had, I had I had, and it was at a weird place that wasn't haunted. It wasn't at my house, which I'm pretty sure is haunted. It wasn't at my previous house, which probably was haunted as well. I have this thing where every house I've lived in is right next to or across the street from a graveyard. I'm always <laughs> just living in a graveyard. Yep. But that was when I was I was living in a condo with our friend Nick and and me. There's no reason for that place to be haunted. Maybe something had followed me home. I mean, this is when we were, um, you were living in Bridge. Uh, well, you obviously no. lived there as well, but we had bounced back and forth between the Bridgewater house. I mean, that wasn't, we had visited haunted locations. So, that, I mean, maybe something attached itself to me. I don't know. I don't know what that was, but that was the most horrifying sighting I've ever do, had. Which do was, you remember? I don't know. Have we told this story on the show before? Do you I remember like, the I feel like next, we did. So maybe we I briefly recap it, but. Um, so basically we lived in this condo, like Jesse said, nothing haunted had ever happened in this house. And me and Jesse had to go somewhere the next morning. And I don't really remember where we had to go, but we both got up. We didn't speak to each other. We got ready. We got in one of our cars. I don't remember whose. one of us was driving and we didn't talk for like 10 minutes. And then we both looked at each other and we were like, I got to tell you about something that happened last night. And then the other one was like, me too. And you told that story. And I felt somebody sit on my bed the night before. Like I literally felt someone sit on my bed and like the entire impression happened. And then nothing else ever happened in this house again. It was a weird night. Yeah, it was very strange. So I had woken up um, in the morning and I thought maybe, I don't know if we were engaged at the time, but the girlfriend or wife or fiance or whatever had just shown up. And just standing like inches away from me, just right next to me on the on the left side of the bed. And I look up and I was like, oh, shit, like, what are you doing here? And then I look back and literally no one's there. And I was like, what the hell did I just see? And that was the most horrifying, <laughs> most horrifying, quote unquote, ghost sighting that I've ever seen. I don't know what it could have been. Maybe my eyes were adjusting or maybe I was still half dreaming. But all I know is it wasn't like just a shadow. It was like a person standing there i couldn't see any like facial features but it was i it was definitely a woman you could see the hair and i, I don't know it was it was absolutely terrifying you you know what i hope happens in that condo for a residual haunting 100 years from now i hope the ghost of our friend rob just shows up in the banana suit or was it the hot dog suit and I'll just says, him. Yeah. yeah when he put on the suit without any other clothing and our friend is this guy, Rob is like really jacked and he was walking around our apartment in just this hot dog suit, just chugging milk. And I just really hope that the funniest part of that story is that Nick's mother happened to be by the condo that day and she didn't say a word. She just looked at him. It was like, it was like five in the morning or something. It was, it was a very strange time for him to be doing this. Anyways, that is a completely relevant story to Salem and go. He just walked up to her and started chugging milk, gave her complete (laughs) eye contact and then walked back down into the basement it's the and most just, Rob Pam thing to do. Right? He just goes, okay. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories of all time. Covering a uh, lot of ground here. <clears throat> yeah, we are. we are. We're telling haunting stories, but we can do that. This is this is a celebration. This is our one-year anniversary. This so is, this it is, is our Halloween episode. Yeah, it's the Halloween episode as well. Technically. It is. So I think before we get away from the Hawthorne, the Yeah, let's the, finish it up. The most compelling part, and everyone's like the sixth floor is the most haunted floor. 
this is where the most ghost sightings happen. But if you if the stories from the basement are true, then you have legitimate, strong poltergeist activity inside this hotel to a point where it's moving chairs and tables around. And obviously the most compelling one is the fact that it stacked all of these chairs up in a pyramid. And the employee who just set up the whole room for a banquet was just like, ah, fuck it. I'm out. I quit. He just left. He's like, I'm not dealing with this shit. I, I just set this whole room up. And now I leave for two seconds. I come back and, and some ghost just stacked all of these chairs up in a pyramid. It's crazy. So if that's legitimate, if that's a real story, which the hotel staff swears by it, if that's a real story, then this this hotel is legitimately haunted by a a very powerful poltergeist or something. So, um, Captain McSlug says maybe it's a pyramid scream, which <laughs> is pretty excellent. That's a good one. No, but that is that is terrifying. Like, and I would quit too, not just because I was scared, but because like I'm not doing this again. I literally just did this entire job in this asshole ghost comes in and just ruins everything i did no thanks i'm out of here yeah so from our own experiences at the hotel we got nothing ghost hunters did their entire episode and they got absolutely nothing and you know they reported back and the hotel staff was obviously pretty disappointed to hear the results but they got absolutely nothing in this hotel so what we're leaning on here is just the stories from guests that have stayed there and from people that have worked there and obviously i find employees stories a little bit more reputable than any of the other ones so i would lean towards yes this place is is haunted if those stories are true Mm -hmm. but when you have professionals like ghost hunters go in there and they find nothing when you have top of the line professionals like us go in there and find nothing i mean mean, the best of the business of course for sure uh so if the if the basement stories are true then yeah I, i think that this hotel does earn a spot on the most haunted list obviously if you're in salem as well this this whole place is um, that the whole the whole town has a ton of history, and it's a very haunted town. I wonder if the time of year matters for the hotel too. And I say that in the sense that if you go to Salem in October, it is insanity. There is people elbow to elbow walking down the streets right around the Hawthorne. So, is there a lot of energy that's like in the area at that point and makes it more active or would it be more active when it's quieter? You know what I mean? So I mm. think we need to probably easier to notice stuff when it's quieter. Uh, bro dad brings up room six twelve would be six plus six plus six or six. And then six plus six, 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 six. Hmm. Maybe fun fact from that Stephanie. Was a Scott Stephanie. <laughs> was that? Yeah, it was. Uh, Sydney's birth weight was 6.66 pounds. Look at this. It's all starting to come together. You left out the fact that she's uh, my number one fan, and I don't appreciate that. Uh, well, she's your only fan, so that by default makes her your number one fan. It doesn't matter. It, it was still a... It was still a... <laughs> it was still, <laughs> it was still, still accurate. accurate. I left out. Yeah, still accurate. Um. Yeah, so I think we we should go back. We should actually try to investigate it both times. Like we should do it in October, which is going to be tough because I think to book a room at the Hawthorne in October is like yeah. $8 million a night. And we'll you got to do it like a year ahead of time. Probably right. more than that at this point. So we'll have to do it now. Yeah, and we should do it in like February when no one's in Salem. That's the way. that's that's probably the way to do it. Um, I want to go back to Airfield's comment because he said, "Do you think that uh, those ghosts are really demons?" Um, I believe it's 
bring up the Warrens again. Was it Ed Warren that said that all ghosts are demons? Yeah, I don't know. That's not subscribe. what said. Well, tell us, Dave. You you have his uh, memoir. Tattoo of memoir. Get in front of the mirror and read that. <laughs> <laughs> I did tell you. It's not his. That's not his theory. Thanks for elaborating. What, what do you want me to say? You said it's Ed Warren. I said that. I said no, it's not. It was just oh, you know who that was? Actually, that was a a priest from um from the church that uh, I would like to say I go to, but I work every Sunday morning, so I haven't been in church in a long time. I'm a terrible Christian, but um, the, my wife and and mother in law and kids they all go to this church. It was actually a priest from that church who does exorcisms and things of that nature, and he had actually brought up that when he was coming by our house to um, cleanse our house of whatever was haunting it, which, um, yeah, so that's a whole story. But he had said that. Forgive me for equating him to Ed Warren. I apologize, Father. It was a common uh, belief, whether it's the Catholic Church or any church, that's uh, any basically any deity that is not um, from the Bible or biblical is a demon. So they just basically demonize everything that is, isn't um, holy fair so that's that's the hawthorne if you go to salem it's like one of the very few hotels you can stay in in salem there's not many lodging accommodations other than that and like another hotel or two and an airbnb yeah it, it's tough yeah as we said last episode if you're looking to book a place to stay in salem you want to do it a good year in advance might be even longer than that with how crazy salem got particularly this year um, I guess want to touch on this comment because Matthew says that Dave would read the book, but he's sitting on it so the camera can see him, which is <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Well done. Not bad. Well done. <laughs> I've heard them all, but sometimes, sometimes uh, I get a good one tossed around. <clears throat> yeah, that was a good one. Um, so is that kind of it on the Hawthorne? Do we I think that's to... pretty much it. Yeah, I would like to move on accumulate more evidence myself if i'm going to determine whether or not i actually play, think that this place is as haunted as everyone says it is but just yeah. off the just off what the staff has said alone that's that's enough to say yeah it's it's more than likely a haunted hotel yeah next time more investigation less pickleback shots is, that's, a, uh, that's a good start that's the game plan yeah, the business plan laid out for us so like going directly into something that sort of ties into the hawthorne hotel is the house of seven gables which is for a town that relies on, you know, Halloween as like its big, its big get the witch trials, like hauntings. The House of Seven Gables is not open about talking about the hauntings there. They do not like associating them with the house. They do not want that as a selling point for this location at all. So. I recently went there. I went there about a month and a half ago to to get some footage as we knew we were doing this episode. I took the tour again. I've taken that tour a few times. And before we get into it, if you go to Salem, I think one of the things you should do is go to the House of Seven Gables. It's not really related to anything in the, in the hauntings or well, the, on the tour. They, they won't tell you about it. But it gives you a real sense of what life was like in Salem. It's in the time. And it's it's a good tour. It's it's really historic. It's really well done. That being said, they do not lean into the hauntings at all. And as I was doing this tour and it and it ended, I talked to our tour guide and I said, uh, you know, off to the side without anyone else around. I go, all right, great tour. 
you did a great job. Um, is the place haunted? And he immediately was like, uh, I haven't like, he really didn't want to have the conversation. You could tell like he didn't want to have the haunting conversation. What he did tell me though, is you don't tour it, but you can do like a self-guided tour. The Nathaniel Hawthorne's birth house has been moved to the property. So you can actually go through the house Nathaniel Hawthorne was born in. And he said that that house there, the staff have had some paranormal experiences in hearing voices, footsteps, doors locking on their own. Um, But he wouldn't say anything about the house of seven gables. I was listening to a podcast from a psychic medium who was recapping some of her visits to Salem. And she sounded like a really well-established, well-put-together lady. And she wasn't, she didn't sound like a loony kind of psychic or anything like that. Like, what she sounded very grounded and, and reasonable. And she had said that uh, out of all the places in Salem, the House of Seven Gables was what she was picking up on as one of the most haunted places that they visited. And she mm-hmm. said, particularly upstairs, like as soon as you walk in, she was like, it just, it hits you this different kind of energy. But upstairs in particular, she was um, like horrified. There was just some, something terrible was there. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. And it's a house with a lot of history, right? It's one of the oldest houses that still survives in Salem. Um, There's history of several different families that stayed there. The Turners and the Ingersolls. I mean, the house is named the Turner Ingersoll house. Basically you had Nathaniel Hawthorne that came by. He wrote the book, the house of seven Gables based on this book. And he was constantly just trying to, to atone for his family's, um, part in the witch trials. Like you said in the episode, he adds the H to his name to the not, W. The w, I'm sorry, the W in his name to be not fully associated with with his was his great grandfather or something like that. I mean, great, uh, great. Yeah, that was the judge in the witch trials. This entire book it centers around a judge from the witch trials and why and the house being cursed because of that. He wrote the Scarlet Letter, which has to do with the witch trials, which in the opening of that, he apologizes for his family's part in that. This guy really like felt bad about what his family did and was trying to atone. And he goes to this house and he writes this whole book about ghosts and and the witch trials. And now his birth house is there. And there's a lot going on at this place. Do they think Nathaniel Hawthorne himself haunts either of those, these locations? I haven't seen that him, he himself has. I touched on it in the pre-recorded part that they believe his some people believe his son Julian is the child that haunts the attic, but it kind of doesn't make sense. Like his son, he wasn't really going to the house by the time he had children, right? So it's not like his kids were playing there often. And that attic did serve as the servants' quarters where Families that worked in the house would also have their children there, and that would make a lot more sense that a child of one of the servants would be the, uh, excuse me, would be the 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 ghost that haunts. The- it makes sense. So, I mean, if you hear kids and laughter, uh, smaller footsteps or lighter sounding footsteps, then it's easy to equate that there could be the a ghost child haunting this location. There's so many of these hauntings where it's like, oh, well, that's the ghost of this person. And I just say, like, what defining characteristic leads you to believe that it's that person in particular? Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that it could be 
could be Nathaniel Hawthorne's child, but it also is probably more likely, would you say the servant's child or whatever? So you just kind of point to where the evidence goes or who, you know, could be anyone. But the flip side of that is Susanna Ingersoll, who has been seen. We know what her picture looks like. She's one of the most closely associated people with the house. So that's why it makes sense that the woman they see going around the house would be Susanna Ingersoll. Lived there her whole life, right? So like that that one makes more sense as to why you are identifying her as the spirit. It right. does. So recognizing somebody uh, as the ghost would be one way to say, oh, that's who that ghost is. Another thing would be like if you have a residual haunting where somebody was doing something like one particular thing a lot and then now their ghost repeats that activity, you know, um, so if a ghost is doing something that that person used to do all the time, I think that's another way you could ed- identify that ghost as being to that particular person. Right. So Ricardo missed most of the live show. Welcome in, Ricardo. And he asked if we mentioned pirates yet. We have not, but, uh, but now we have. Now we have. And this is, I mean, it's a city right on the water, so could be possible. They have a pirate museum. They do have a pirate museum. They do. You know what that calls for? Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there we are. Our, hey, we did it. So obviously, if you're listening and not watching, you're missing out on all the cool graphics that we do. They're amazing. You should see them. We're on a limited budget here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't taking shots at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, subscribe on Patreon if you want some uh, higher budget. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get a couple more Patreon members and we'll... Uh, We'll upgrade to 3D pirate hats. Yeah, yes. enough, and we'll make an entire pirate movie. Our entire budget is going directly into pirate hat effects. <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> nothing else in the works for you, folks. Eventually, October's been long. Them, we're gonna have them just lower down on our heads instead of like actually being graphics at some point. Ah, oh, it's gonna be good. Yeah, we're just gonna hire pirates to stand behind us while we do our <laughs> show. We'll turn around, and high five them every once in a while. Let you guys yeah. know what we spent your money on. Enough Patreon members. We will hire Johnny Depp to be Captain Jack Sparrow. I heard he's looking for work these days. That's true. So the the House of Seven Gables is a must-visit spot if you go to Salem. And it is haunted, but they will not tell you about the hauntings just to summarize this place. I do like um, that you took the tour guide like aside and like, listen. Yeah. Tell me about ghosts. Me, I walk into the uh, Rough Point Mansion. I'm like, <laughs> who did this bitch kill? <laughs> Give me all the ghost stories now. <laughs> How many people did she slay in this exact house? <laughs> yeah, not the approach. So go ahead, take the Rob approach, not the Jesse approach. And um, yeah. the staircase, let's we have to hit on the staircase real quick because that is actually one of the creepier stories where I don't know if you guys noticed from the footage that I took, but that staircase is like real, real thin. It is not easy to get up and down for anyone of any Dave would even have trouble doing this staircase. It, it's really it's a tough one but to see like a shadow figure like crawling up the staircase as you head up would be that's like absolute nightmare fuel right yeah, like it's it's not horrifying enough to spot a ghost or a shadow figure or something in a house but there's something extra terrifying about one that's crawling on the floor or mm-hmm. there was one at one of the asylums that we covered that was crawling on the ceiling particularly crazy the, the crawling effect i don't know why that makes it more scary like it should be scary enough when you see a ghost never mind a crawling ghost well especially when you're in that much of a confined space 
because you can only go up or down on these stairs. You are like this confined as you're walking and to see something because you're not able to like run away. You're like shimmying your way down the staircase. Like, oh, my God. And, and it's like so hard to get away from. It looked like a very narrow staircase. Yeah, everything. That's what I'm saying. Like, it is not easy to, to transcend this staircase. You're waddling like a penguin. Dave waddles like a penguin anyways. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's the, the House of Seven Gables. I've been there, uh, I think, just once. Mm-hmm. And it's a really beautifully maintained place. Like, the whole garden and everything. Like, the, the house is, is very cool. And Seven Gables sounds so creepy. I'm like, oh, what is it? Seven goblins there? And then I realize Gables is just, like, points on the house. But points seven's a lot for a house of that time, right? There's actually eight too, but the way that they say that it's still seven is one of them's below the roof line. So they're like, oh, that one doesn't count because it's below the roof line. I'm like, uh, all right. Like semantics, I guess, at that point. Seven gables is a lot for most houses. Most houses have two. All right. Here we go with the gable expert, Dave. <laughs> uh, Andrew asks, if, uh, is that one of the servant staircases? Yeah. So that's the hidden staircase. You go into the dining room. And basically, they opened like a closet where they would keep some of the um, the dishes and stuff. And then behind that, you can open that wall. And if you do it from the from the top of that, it goes into this room with a fireplace. And there's like a button within the fireplace to open the doorway to the staircase. That sounds too high tech. There's a button. Yeah, there's a button. Did Iron Man live here. Yeah, basically. Oh, that's cool. I mean, you saw this in like the the old silent films. It's not, you know, yeah, they, they, they had a, cavemen. They actually had a thing like that at the Oliver House, and they didn't demonstrate it for us. But there was like a drawstring that you used to pull up the uh, basement staircase, which was the most narrow staircase I've ever gone down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I made it down there with my broad shoulders and massive muscles, but it's true. I pulled it off, you know. I do these. I, these are the sacrifices I make for the show. Yeah, for sure. In, into their not haunted basement. Was the basement it, haunted? No, that that one. Uh, it was that one, they, they have ghost settings there. Which which place am I thinking of that doesn't the base? Oh, your house, the Bridgewater house, the basement, yeah. just not haunted, creepy, not haunted, not haunted. terrifying. Forgive me, Oliver House, haunted basement, Rob's yeah. house, Bridgewater, not as haunted. Yeah, it's it was the most terrifying looking room in the place, but uh, yeah, not haunted, or never got any hauntings down there. Although we didn't stay down there too often, right? We were like, we'd walk down and be like, nope, nothing happened, and then go right back upstairs. <laughs> Anderson says, Jesse can, Jesse can fit anywhere by dislocating every bone <laughs> in his body. This <laughs> is accurate. Yeah, let's say uh, Jesse's arms fall out of the socket joke. Yes. Really head home. I'll, I'll cry in the bathroom a little later, but I'll wait till the show's over. Okay, uh, so House of Seven Gables, we covered that. Um, Hawthorne Hotel covered that. What's the other locations here? There's a few locations that Philip English haunts, right, Dave? Yeah, so Philip English had uh, 14 properties in Salem at one point. And he haunts um, a lot of them where, where he used to, uh, where the where they used to stand. Basically, you should have uh, so, you should have lied to us and said thirteen instead, just because it's a creepier number. Yeah, yeah. I know. So he we, owned thirteen properties around Salem. That's crazy. Yeah, thirteen. That's crazy. Very unlucky number. Uh, so unlucky that he bought a fourteenth. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so one of the locations that is where an old one used to be is uh, Why Not's uh, Gifts. It's a gift shop. It's basically a toy store that sells Harry Potter paraphernalia. <laughs> and uh, that place has poltergeist activity in the basement. There's always things flying around down there. And that was the one where the owner, Tim, 
uh, mentioned that he had his employees, they heard a voice come through the speaker one night that just said, I see you. Um, what was it? I see you. I, I, watch you. I, I watch you. So, which is very creepy thing. Too. That is one of the creepiest things you could say through a speaker. Yeah, it's it's actually terrifying. And I think it was Matthew Thomas that had the idea, like, well, that's a great shirt idea. And I was like, yeah, that is a great shirt idea. And then I'm like, you know what? It's probably not a great shirt idea if you're walking around with a shirt that says... Yeah, you, you know, show up at the you show up at the playground with your kids. All the other parents leave with their kids. You're like, why did they all leave? <laughs> yeah. I think they like my shirt. I see you. I watch you. Yeah, I don't think that would fly too well. But say it is. Great, say the great came in with the first positive comments about Dave today, saying, uh, "Tell tell Dave his beard be looking clean." You know what? Say get out. <laughs> <laughs> your kind comments are not welcome here. We roast Dave here. This is hometown roast stories. I'm just kidding. I appreciate it. I appreciate the one positive comment my way today. That's what I- Nice. Uh, so Philip what happens when Dave gets a comment, uh, a compliment, his entire camera breaks because it doesn't know what to do. This just isn't part of the normal stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, try it again, Dave. It looks like you're back, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying that uh, Philip English was a uh, pretty wild dude. How he had all of his property confiscated by Sheriff Corwin. And basically, in order to get it back, he waited for Sheriff Corwin to die and then stole his body. And held it captive, basically for ransom. So you yeah. get your body back when I get my property back. And he got God, his property I can't, back. I can't wait to do that to you. I can't <laughs> wait to steal your dead body. That is a just, power move right there. I love it's it. It's amazing. Kate, if you're in the chat, please tell me how much you're going to pay for Dave's dead body when I when I steal it. <laughs> just set the ransom high. <laughs> yes. Um. So, like, the, the one problem with a place like this is unless you actually, like, work there, you're really not going to be able to investigate it for the most part because how are you going to get in to do so? You know what I mean? Did you ever see the inside job with um, Clive Owen, Dan Washington, where they, it's like a bank heist movie, and basically they go in the customer, and then they hide in the store, and they hide inside the walls, and then they wait for everyone to leave, and they come out and they rob the bank. So mm. that's how we got to investigate this place. All right, that's we're gonna we're gonna be sure to cut this part out um, so that they don't know that we're gonna do that. But it worked uh, out because Dave did a fine job of cutting himself out. Right. So we only heard half the plan. The rest of the yeah. half, we'll text who, each other. It'll be a secret. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Who knows? No. Um, yeah. So the funny thing is, like everything goes back to the witch trials for the most part, right? All of these hauntings, we find a way to bring them back to something that either pieces of property from the people, you know, the apple orchard with the, with the apple sense in the, in the hotel, in- English owning all these properties, almost everything ties back to the witch trials. Right. And I mean, Salem's such an old city that there, there are other, there are other locations mm-hmm. around Salem that are legitimately haunted. And, um, and as it should be, there's so many um, just older locations there that uh, were built before or after the witch trials that that are easily haunted as well. So uh, let's touch on a few more because we touched on the main ones that we went over in the episode, but there are other very popular haunted locations in Salem. I think we start with Burying Point Cemetery. So this is one of the more haunted uh, cemeteries in Salem. Mm-hmm. And there are... Not only is it one of the most haunted cemeteries in Salem, it is a the most the oldest cemetery in Salem 
in the second oldest cemetery in the country. That is true. That is true. So um, I believe Nathaniel Hawthorne, is Nathaniel Hawthorne buried there? No, but I think John Hawthorne is. Well, Nathaniel Hawthorne is apparently supposed to haunt this cemetery as one of the locations where he haunts. Um, I He's buried in another city, though. Like, I don't, I mean, maybe for some reason he is, but John Hawthorne is the one that actually um, haunts the cemetery. There. Okay. And is buried there, yeah. So... I don't know. Okay, he, actually, you know, you know what the affiliation is? Is some of his uh, characters' names and homages are uh, carved into some of the gravestones at that cemetery. So forgive me, I think I was wrong about that. I don't think his ghost actually haunts that, but we don't make the rules. Maybe it does. You're Maybe just you're, does. you're just you're just trying to you're trying to finesse <laughs> Nathaniel Hawthorne. They work just a little bit, right? Um, so they they've captured a bunch of photos that have like mysterious shadows, uh, lights that don't make sense. They've gotten plenty of orbs, white mists and full-blooded apparitions at old burying point. So there's plenty of evidence that have been caught. There is a ghostly lady in white, so check that box that has been seen. And I believe there's also a ghost in blue. I don't see that one on this list that I'm looking at right now, but I, I think I've heard of that one as well. So that is uh, there's plenty of hauntings that happen at old burying point cemetery. So did you see the quote from from Nathaniel Hawthorne that they believe is about old burying point cemetery. No, um, I'll read it. It, it goes, there is a fatality, a feeling so irresistible and inevitable that it has the force of doom, which almost invariably, which almost invariably compels human beings to linger around and haunt ghost like the spot where some great and marked event has given the color for their lifetime. And still the more irresistibly, the darker the tinge that saddens it. So they believe that was about old Bearing Point Cemetery. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, another one is the old Salem jail. So this yep. jail was uh, basically abandoned in the early 90s, but there's ghost settings that have become very regular. Um, flickering lights, they have... Uh, so, so flickering lights is important in this one because there is no electricity. So... If you're seeing flickering lights, then that is something to take note of. Uh, they've also heard screams at like all hours. It's not just like a nighttime haunting. They hear screaming during the day as well. And uh, so plenty of plenty of ghost settings there. Um, they say that this is one of the locations that Giles Corey... Is it Giles or Giles? Giles. Is it Giles? I've heard a lot of people pronounce it Giles. But Might anyways, Giles. Giles or Giles, Giles Corey. Giles Corey. <laughs> he, this is one of the locations that he is uh, supposed to haunt. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also uh, other possible ones are the Boston Strangler. So that's uh, someone who apparently haunts the uh, other one. There's there's also 13... Um, Oh, Strangler's victims ever stabbed. That's sorry. I should have done. I should have made footnotes on this on this here one. And then there's also Civil War spirits that apparently haunt the jail. So it's a, it's apparently a very very haunted location. That is the old Salem jail, um, where I believe there are now apartments in its place. Yes. Yeah. I I did read that that was um, one of the things that they built all over the top of where it used to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Joshua Ward House is also supposed to be haunted. And then Rockefellers, we've gone to Rockefellers quite a few times. That building is supposed to be haunted as well. And we had interviewed one of the bartenders that worked there who is also a warlock. 
And he had a bunch of uh, ghost stories, not only about like sightings and noises and stuff, but the taps would turn on. So that's kind of become a more frequent one that we've heard about, especially at bars, obviously, or places that have beer taps. But that would happen. And then he had another one about a, go- uh, a glass that had completely flown off one of the uh, shelves and smashed. Yeah. Excuse me. So there that's was, that one. There's also a haunted restaurant, and I meant to write this one um, down. I'm kind of doing this on the fly a little bit. It was like the pig something. I think that's what it is now. It used to be 45. Oh, my God. What's the name of that cemetery that we went to, Dave? Howard Street. Yeah, I think it's 45 Howard is what is the address. And there's a lot of um, stories about that place as well where people have seen women walking up a staircase and heard stuff in the basement as well. The basement in Salem is like not the place to be. seems like everyone is like haunting basements in Salem. Right. Uh, so that apparently there is a blue lady at the at Rockefellers. So I might have been wrong about the location of blue lady or there's another lady in blue. So different than a lady in white. So wearing a blue dress instead. But apparently that's one person that uh, haunts Rockefellers as well as a black suited minister. And there are stories that are behind it. We You can hear the stories on the ghost tours. We had heard them as well. I don't know how much of it is legend, how much of it is actual fact, but there are plenty of stories all around Salem and Rockville is one of those locations that we have uh, been to quite a few times. The Ropes Mansion is one that we should probably talk about because it's a big one. And uh, I got some notes on it. I'll try and get through them. Guys, just let me know if my connection craps out and I will shut up. But um, so the, the Ropes Mansion is haunted allegedly by the ghost of Nathaniel Ropes, uh, who was... Uh, he was a loyalist back in the 1700s, so he was not a popular guy. He actually he got smallpox, and then um, all the the town people showed up around his house, not because he had smallpox, because he was a loyalist, uh, and they just started throwing rocks and sticks at his house, basically, until he died, which he did the next day. So they assumed that he died from the smallpox, but it happened. Not also happened. You're cut out now, so didn't die from the rocks and sticks. But uh, he was 47 when he died. He had smallpox. At the time of the attack, he succumbed to the disease the following day. So, yeah, it looks like he died from that. And um, it's uncertain if the mob caused his death. So it could be one way or the other, I guess. Right. And uh, so people say his ghost uh, haunts that place. And there's a team of investigators that say they got a picture of him, but nobody can actually find the picture they claim they got. Basically, it was just him in a chair and all you can see his hands, which is pretty creepy. Um, also, You're kinda- it's haunted by kind of cutting out there. Uh, what were you saying? It's haunted by the ghost of his daughter, Abigail. They called her Nabby. And she was not very nice to the servants. She would scream and yell and throw temper tantrums. And then one day she was doing something near the fireplace and her dress caught on fire and she burned up pretty bad. She was screaming, but nobody responded to her screams because it was just her being normal. That's what she would do all the time. So, um, yeah, apparently anytime that they're doing like renovations and stuff, um, these fire fires can break out here. It's like a common thing at this place. Um, Mm -hmm. they say that Abigail, the ghost of Abigail could be causing, causing it anytime there's remodeling. There was a fire in 2009 that was attributed to the ghost. And, um, you know, they, they think this are retaliating for being set on fire. So that is, uh. I don't know who attributed. I'm assuming it's just like local legend attributes it to the ghost. I don't think the fire department showed up and be like, hmm, the cause is ghost. Yeah. Um, I want to just update what I was talking about with that restaurant. It's 43 Church Street, and it's currently Turner's Seafood. 
And they also believe that this was part of the location of where Bridget Bishop's apple orchards were. So they believe that this was built on top of that. And again, they've seen apparitions walking around up a staircase. There's been things that have flown around in the place as well. Mm-hmm. Did not see anything about the smell of apples on this particular one. Um, but actually, I take that back. They do smell the apples in here as well. Oh, so. look at that. Two apple hauntings in one episode. Apple hauntings. Yeah. Gallows there Hill is go. supposed to be haunted as well. We touched on Gallows Hill a bit last episode. Uh, it turns out it's not the location where the witches were hanged, but it's still supposed to be haunted by spirits of Salem. So they've kind of updated the hauntings at Gallows Hill. I will say, like like we said last week, we walked that that hill and it was uh it definitely had a had a eerie vibe to it. Um yeah. old town. It hall. is it is funny to go back and see the the stuff on Gallows Hill, like if you watch History Channel stuff, because they are all like adamant about how that's where the hangings happened. And now that we found out it was at Proctor's Ledge, like it really makes some of that stuff look dated. But they were going off the information they had at the time. That's what they had at the time, exactly. So yeah. the Salem Inn is supposed to be haunted as well. Um, and then Bunghole Liquors, which uh, has quite the name, but Love this it. place is also supposed to be haunted. We went into there. And we asked the staff if it was haunted, and it turns out we got a new employee who said, I don't know, but uh, some employees here think it is. So it used to be a prohibition. I hope you're scared from that story. (laughs) It's just, uh, I'm giving you, I'm a straight shooter, all right? We went there to find out the information. Investigative journalists, while buying beer, we asked if the place was haunted. These are the extra steps we go to for you folks, you know? I I wish that the people that are listening to this on the podcast could see how angry Dave is right now. Because he can't talk. Because every time he does, he just cuts out. He's just giving the angriest face of all time. Yeah, I don't even think he's listening to us anymore. He's not. He just hates us so much. Look at look at how angry he is looking <laughs> down. <laughs> uh, so employees at, at Bunghole Liquors have mentioned seeing strange women go into the bar and dis- disappear shortly after. Uh, mm-hmm. One particular account describes how one of these employees accidentally bumped into a woman. At a second glance, he realized that there was no one there and the woman just vanished. Um, so this is from uh, Ghost City Tours. That's where we're getting that story from. But yeah, Bunghole Liquors is apparently haunted. I think that there is like a basement bar to this place, maybe. I'm, I, I think the history on it was like it was a prohibition set, uh, style pub or whatever. And I think they had that in the basement. But right now, if you go in there, obviously it's just a really small liquor store. I think there's a few of them. But uh there's one right in downtown. Yeah. Is there anything else we wanted to hit on in Salem? I mean, we could do a part three, part four at some point on Salem if we uh, want. There's to. also uh, the, the the bookstore as well, Wicked Good Books. That's supposed to be haunted. And the ghost of the Grimshaw house, which I think that one might have gotten torn down. I might be wrong about that. But don't quote me on that. But uh, Wicked, Good, Wicked Good Books, that, that's right on Essex Street with uh, all the other places, right near Rockefeller's or Rockefeller's. So if you go over there, then you can head into Wicked Good Books, which recently seemed to have cleaned up the place. Before you would go in, it looked like something. Uh, was, if you were claustrophobic, I would not recommend it, but it looks like they have updated and uh, cleared I don't up know a lot of how you would have gone in before, to be completely honest. That was wild. That was like the wildest thing I've ever seen in my life for a store. Yeah, it was a uh, very, very tight quarters. Dave, do you have anything else on the Ropes Mansion you want to try to get through real quick? No. Okay, that was finally clear. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's uh, his future at Hometown Ghost Stories is one word answers to all of our questions. <laughs> so that'll pretty much do it. This is uh, this is a good one. So this is Salem Part Two. 
happy Halloween, everybody. I mean, we'll be back for some side content and everything. And then I think on Halloween, we're probably going to try to go live with a horror movie review. Maybe. I don't know if it's going to be live. Game or strange. We're, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. We're going to figure out what we're going to do on Halloween itself. Um, I want to thank everybody that's in chat. I also want to thank everybody that joined the live get together before the show. It was a lot was, of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, we every other Tuesday, generally, we do a we do a live get together where we all talk with the um, Patreon members that that can join that week, and they tell us some of their ghost stories. We talk about some of the locations. We make fun of Dave. It's a lot of fun. Everyone should uh, should join for that. Uh, and it is our one year. Like we said earlier, we started this show. It just about we started this show October thirtieth of twenty twenty one, and we have consistently done an episode every Tuesday. You know, since the first uh, the first week, which is baffling to yeah. to, to think of. It's been a hell of a ride. I want to give a shout out to our patrons. We have our VIPs, Jimmy H, Justin T, Lisa J, Mom and Pops, Wilkins, Stephen V, and Demon King. Thank you guys for that. Other patrons, we have Jake V, Mike B, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Sarah, Dave Loves Bacon R, Kiralee J, Anthony, Angry Dave Rocks T, Brandon W, Captain McSlugs, Cody G, Matthew T, Mariah M, Papa Squatch, Rachel B, Sarah W, Soph M, Hooper, and Mark M. Thank you guys for joining on Patreon for as little as $3 a month. You can get your name on this list as well and join us uh, on Patreon. You get some uh, bonus content, exclusive stuff, and everything. Kate says we're going to do picklebacks for Halloween, so uh, expect no content if that happens <laughs> because that's what happens when we do pickleback shots. But uh, it was a fun one. Love hey, Salem. Uh, if you haven't been there, make sure you make a trip. Um, we do have our merch store open as well. As you can see, Dave has on our hoodie. I have the V-neck on that I specifically made just for myself, but it is quite comfy. The The hoodie I actually like the best out of everything. So I was worried about the quality because we were using a vendor for it, and it actually is pretty great. Uh, we have a couple reviews to read as well. The first one is from Mouth. The title is Scary, Weird, and Funny. I love listening to the podcast. I listen at work, and sometimes I'm so into the podcast my coworkers will tap me on my shoulders and scare the blank out of me. Where in California would you re- recommend to go for someone's first haunted place, house, or tour? And I know Dave, you were looking into some places, but I'd say the, probably the Whaley House. I was gonna the Whaley House is a good one. The Winchester House. The problem is California is so big that yeah. I don't really know which part you you're in. You could do the Winchester House as well. Um, would be one that I would say. And the other one is from uh, Retired Coast Guard. His, his title is Retired Coast in Minnesota. I recently retired from the U.S. Coast Guard and currently live in Pine City, Minnesota. I've worked in places you have been talking about. Brings back memories from Salem to Newport to Long Island. Just started listening last week and love the show. Keep up the great work. Uh, thank you. Thank you for checking us yeah. out. Welcome in. Yeah. And I think that's... So those are the I'm... reviews. If you want to get your review read on the show then just drop us a five-star review on apple itunes if you listen elsewhere just leave us a five-star there and then i don't know send us a message with what you think about the show or an email hometown ghost stories at gmail.com join the discord i think our discord link is expired so i will update that for you guys but um that'll be in the show notes and then uh yeah so thanks to everyone who hung, hung out in live chat you guys uh you guys were fun today and always keep the show going and adds a whole different element to the show so yeah um, Anything else, gentlemen? That's it for me. What do we got going on on Friday? We have something coming oh. out. 
<laughs> what we do. Yes. We have. It will be um, the cursed possession of the Ouija board episode will be on Friday. It might be or live it for everybody. Live. For everybody, or is that everyone. a Patreon only? Okay. Nope, this will be everyone on Friday. Okay. Might be live. Ooh. We'll see. Might not That's be live. Amazing. We'll let you know. All right. All right. Well, well, well. I think that'll pretty much do it. Thank you to all for uh, to everybody who tuned in and everybody who listens and everyone on Patreon. We'll uh, we'll catch you guys on Friday. Ouija boards. Later. <laughs>